We're in a teaching series called Encounters with Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we started, we found out about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the message was, when you encounter Jesus, whatever you give him, you end up with so much more. And last week, we did about the paralytic being lowered through the roof by his friends, and Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven. And then he shows that he has the authority to forgive sins and allows the guy to walk. So not only does Jesus, incredibly generous, but Jesus is, uh, meets all of our needs. So for the man, it was to be in family and forgiveness. Today, we're going to look at an encounter with Jesus, with his disciples. He's speaking to them. Uh, he's about to uh, go to the cross, and he's chatting with them. And it's this about Jesus demands obedience for all of his followers. He says, like, if you love me, you'll obey me. We're going to look at that today. I'm going to pray and then get into the teaching. Will you bow your heads as I pray? Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for Scripture, Lord, where we can hear from you and we learn that discipleship looks like listening and obeying. Father, give us uh, willing hearts, Lord, to love you and give us willing hearts, Lord, to follow that out in our lives. Help us to be obedient, Lord. Help us to be followers of you and help us to be disciple makers. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've got three dogs at home. My youngest one's name is Rascal, or Rascal. He is, uh, his name is very, very appropriate. I love him to pieces, but he's also the most mischievous dog we have. Now, I know when he's being super obedient, and the currents, hello, Nick, Kendra, Kayla, Viola, and Jace have just got a dog as well. Nyla, Nayla, Nala. You're going to love her, but she is also not going to immediately learn how to obey you as it relates to toilet, jumping up, a whole host of other things. Your love for her will increase and increase and increase the more she just listens and trusts you. And when you're training a dog, you ask it to do kind of random things like sit, lie, uh, come here, and then you reward a dog with a treat. And the dog learns, like, like if they say something, I'm going to listen and it's going to be good for me. Rascal, my dog, uh, less keen on obeying. In fact, there's one time he, he hates missing out on anything. There's one time he showed me extreme disobedience. I think he's maybe one, but two older dogs, they have longer hair. Rascal is a short-haired chihuahua. Took Rocky and Ruby to the dog dressers, whatever that place is called, and they're going to get their nails clipped and their hair uh, it sounds terrible. The hair done. Uh, Rascal was left in the house by himself, and he thought he was missing out on something excellent. And so he brought the dogs back home, having uh, had them clipped and trimmed and everything like that. Rascal knows there's one place he's not allowed, and it's on the dining room table. And I came back home, and Rascal had left me a present a smelly present right in the middle of the dining room table. And it was him saying to me, like, you have left me out. I am going to show you what for. Now, Rascal now goes with the other dogs and gets his nails clipped. He absolutely hates it. So he didn't know we were just getting the other dogs like, made more presentable. He thought he was missing out, and he showed this rebellion. 
and it just did not work out for him. He now goes uh, with us each time, and he hates it. The other thing that Rascal does now when he obeys is, you know, a dog is obedient when they actually learn how to walk correctly, and they're a little bit behind you, and you don't need to hold a leash tightly. You can have it kind of uh, saggy and just walk along. There you go, minding your own business, and the little dog is following you along. Be very careful if you have a chihuahua not to tread on it. And they follow you along. There's one place where Rascal still will not obey me. And that's when we go walking in the woods as a family. So all of his polite walking behind me goes out of the window. We get to uh, Leroy Oaks, which is in St. Charles. As soon as he senses adventure, he couldn't care less about obeying us. He is charging ahead. This is a dog that is under 10 pounds. And he is pulling... uh, the lightest member of my family is around 95 pounds. And he's pulling that person along. The heaviest member might be me. Uh, he's pulling someone around 22 times his body weight. And he gets absolutely exhausted. And he's charging kind of away. And eventually he's exhausted. He kind of just rests. If he obeyed and just thought, trusted us, I'm happy to run with him. We are going to take him up slopes, down slopes, across little streams, in the woods. He can see squirrels. He can chase birds. He just needs to kind of, there's an adventure, but just wait. They kind of learn over time to trust you. Same with kids. I've just learned to teach Jamie about fire. Whereas we have a fire pit out the back of our house. Jamie thought, wow, this is very powerful. Uh, uh, <laughs> And I noticed there's some dangerous things happening. So I've said, okay, Jamie, this weekend I'm going to teach you how to build a fire. And here's how to hold a match. Here's how to light a match. Give him that kind of safe environment which is supervised so he doesn't burn himself. Now, Jamie, when I said don't throw gasoline on the fire, and uh, that was for your safety. Jamie see me with lighter fluid. A couple of days ago, Jamie goes, look, Daddy, gasoline threw a small cup of gasoline on the fire. I knew then immediately that I needed to teach him about fire safety. So again, it's that, going to teach him an environment just to obey, give him a little kind of bit of room, and he'll learn how to be responsible. Uh, Same with teenagers. Now, teenagers, physiologically, as they're adjusting, or preteens and teenagers, their brain changes physiological shape. It is impossible for them not to be stroppy at times. It's impossible for them not to be incredibly tired. It's very, very difficult for them to go to bed early. There's a whole host of things happening. Now, kids, I'm going to give you two names. One is a man called Billy. The other is a man called Graham. See what I've done there? I'm going to give you two teenagers. Let me know which one you think is the most obedient. So we've got Billy on this side. The parent says, Billy, I need you to clean your room because we've got guests coming over. Billy's reaction is this. And I'm very familiar with this reaction. That's not fair. I hate you. Bum, 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 bum. Slam. The door slams closed. Everything goes under the bed, and he's still tidied his room. Or there's Graham. Say to Graham, Graham, will you tidy your room? Do I have to? Yes. Why? We've got guests coming over. Like, really, now do I have to? Yes, Graham, please. And then he goes up and tidies his room appropriately. Which one do you think was the most obedient? Hands up if you think it was 
Billy. <laughs> Just because it's like you, Jessica, doesn't mean it's the obedient one. <laughs> Hands up if you think it was Graham. Yes, there's something about doing something kind of uh, willingly that adds to obedience. Now, in an adult situation, if you're employed, imagine you have a supervisor, and that supervisor is asking you to do different tasks in the week or different tasks in the month. Can you imagine just choosing not to do anything they asked you to do? Like, how would that go down? Hey, could you make sure you do this report on my desk by Monday? You think to yourself, nah, I'm not going to do that. Or, hey, make sure you, you go and phone up that customer, check everything's okay with them, uh, let me know how they're doing. Nah, I'm not going to do that. If you're an adult, you know that you'll get a consequence pretty, pretty soon. And they will choose to work with someone who can listen and just follow basic instructions. We're going to look now about what Jesus says about obedience. He is talking to his disciples, and he gives them some very, very important words about obedience. Let's turn to John chapter 14, and it's verses 15 through to 24. I'm going to read these out, and then I'm going to explain as I... Actually, I'm going to read it out and explain as I go along. So Jesus promises the Holy Spirit is the the title of this text. Verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, this is to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commands. So what would those commands be? Some of it's Jesus' teaching, like he did on the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of ethics. The other one that they would have had at that time, Jesus has affirmed the great commandment. Love God, love yourself, and love others. Uh, He's also about to show them how important serving is. And we'll get to it later on in the message. There's a great commission, which is what he says to his disciples about disciple-making. Anyway, so Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Now, the word advocate can also mean helper, counselor. It's someone that Jesus is a person that Jesus is going to give that can give advice, like instruction, but also a sense of comfort. Uh, Then continues, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So these first uh, two verses, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Then he talks about himself as Holy Spirit. You'll see as we go through this text, it's uh, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and then the Father. What Jesus is saying to his disciples, I am giving all of me to you, and I want all of your devotion back. And it's not because he needs it because he's insecure. He wants it. It's best for us. It's kind of like me saying to Jamie, not being a killjoy, Jamie, I really need you to obey me. If not, you're going to get burnt. A whole host of things that Jesus asks us to follow and obey him are very much for our own good. Verse 18, now Jesus is talking about himself. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Okay, so in the first uh, part, verse 17, it says, The Spirit of truth, uh, he lives in you and will be in you. Jesus is talking about Pentecost. So after he's ascended up to heaven, the disciples are waiting for instructions from Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit uh, comes down and lives within them. Here, Jesus is talking about himself in verse 19 and his resurrection. So before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, as in he's proving he has power over death, uh, you also will live. And that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So when they see the resurrected Jesus, he's saying to the disciples, you will know that the Father sent me. You will understand my mission. You will understand that we are in union together. In verse 21, he continues, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. It's not whoever has my commands is the one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then hear what he says about the one who loves Jesus. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Basically saying, uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you trust Him for your salvation, not only will the Holy Spirit come and live within you and guide you to keep Jesus' commands, but if you are living a lifestyle of obedience to Jesus, you'll have Jesus' love back, the Father will love you, and you'll have that fullness of a relationship with Jesus. Then we continue verse 22 to verse 24. So Jesus has spoken about the Holy Spirit. He's going to be sent. He's talking about himself. Like, if you love, you're going to see me resurrected, but if you obey me, you love me. And now he's talking about the Father, verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's the third time he said it, in a very short period of time. It's incredibly important for his disciples and us if we count ourselves followers of Christ. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. It's another way of saying God the Holy Spirit will live within you. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Again, Jesus is saying, uh, I know you love me if you obey me. Simple as that. An increase in love for Jesus looks like an increase in trust, looks like an increase in obeying whatever he is asking us to do. And Jesus himself is obeying his Father. We find out more about this in uh, the letter to the Colossians, about how Jesus did not consider himself equal to God, although he was and humbled himself. Jesus is modeling to his disciples, I have heard this from God the Father, and I am sharing this with you. So Jesus rewards his followers. He rewards his followers by revealing his love to them and sharing his life with them. 
That seems like a really, really, really good thing. So why, as Christ followers, do we find it so hard to obey Jesus? Let's look at what He is asking us to obey primarily. I'm going to look at the Great Commission. So the last words someone gives to you before they go off on a mission are absolutely critical. They carry a whole lot more weight than something just dropped into the stream of conversation. And Jesus' last words, as He is ascending to heaven, is what we call the Great Commission. He's saying, this, this is why I came, and this is my mission which I'm sharing with you. And He shares it with His disciples. Read on from Matthew, it's 28 verses 16, and we're going to focus on 18 through to 20. So, then the 11 disciples uh, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So, it used to be 12 disciples. Judas didn't obey Jesus. It didn't work out for him. Uh, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The little aside, when you see something miraculous that's out of the ordinary, something in the material realm that is utterly supernatural, you are naturally going to think, am I actually seeing this? Is this actually happening? So one, as we see the supernatural and have our trust in God, it's okay to doubt. He's big enough to handle our doubt. Anyway, back to this. Jesus, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he starts off, uh, Jesus talked about his authority. And then this is his command, verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus here, as he is going up to heaven, is giving of himself in a couple of key ways to his followers. One is his authority. Second one is his presence. So he gives all of his authority, and he's forever with us. And here is his command to the disciples. Here is his command to us, Antioch Church. Each one of you, if you're a Christ follower, this is for you. The imperative, that means the, the uh, command word, is make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And there's three present participles. That means the how. She's saying, make disciples of all nations. How? One, going. How do we make disciples of all nations if we're not actually going anywhere? If we just stay within our comfort zone, uh, don't move anywhere out of the ordinary. We're not looking for people to share the good news with. So going is one way we do it. The second way, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. James is going to be baptized today. You are invited. That's at 647 Logan Avenue in Geneva, 3 p.m. Come along for that. We'd love you to be there. Jamie, 647 Logan Avenue, Geneva at 3 p.m. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, the next step of obedience is being baptized. 
If you count Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that means have you trusted in Him for the complete forgiveness of your sins? And then you want to live for Him. Baptism is the next step. Typically, we baptize kids when they're old enough to know exactly what they're doing. So, by going, teaching, and then baptizing. Now, as a church, the key to how we're doing in the Great Commission would look like baptisms. So, how many baptisms have we had as a church family in the last year? It will be one today. (laughs) So, there's a question that we can ask ourselves, like, how much are we actually making disciples? Second question is, we're making disciples. Uh, We will obey God more the more that we love Him. How do we love God more? We spend time with Him. Simple question. It's an observation, not a criticism. Do we spend time with God every day? If we're not spending time with God every day, I guarantee you, your love for Him is less than someone who spends time with God every day. And if your love of God is less, then you're going to obey Him a whole lot less. Another way that we do discipleship is life groups. Life groups are, you can have uh, one-on-one time with God. It's also good to be in community. You get a lot more interaction than you do on a Sunday. How many people do we have in life groups at the moment? Are we in one ourselves? Again, it's like, how are we doing discipleship as a church? Are we making disciples? Third one is, is anyone in a discipleship relationship? Discipleship relationship is where we meet with another believer, maybe twice uh, a month or so, just to check out how they're doing spiritually, finding out where is God working in your life, how are you growing, and encouraging each other towards transformation. As a church, uh, we as a leadership team met last Sunday uh, to discuss how we're doing as a church, what's our health like. We're meeting again around lunchtime today. One of the key things we need to consider is how are we fulfilling the Great Commission? Like who, who have we shared our faith with recently? Who have we invited to church recently? When was the last time we spent time with God? When was the last time we were in a discipleship group? When was the last time we led someone to the Lord? And my challenge to us is one baptism a year is terrible, like terrible. It's not good. Now, as a church of believers, God has given us His mission And it's as much on me as it is on us. I am the one giving the account for us having going to have one baptism for the year. I'm not looking forward to that at the moment. But as a church, we really need to be focused on the Great Commission. It's not, am I comfortable? It's not, what's happening on the sports over here? It's not, I'm too tired, I'm too busy. There's an adventure, I'm going to run ahead from the Lord. Or it's scary, I'm going to hide back. How are we as we're making disciples? The church has a heritage of disciple-making. That's how we have heard the gospel. This church is a heritage of disciple-making. And my challenge to us, I'm going to ask you to do one thing, a challenge for the week. It's three, two, and one. Three. It's about going beyond ourselves 
learn three new names this week. Learn three new names this week. That means we're having conversations with people we wouldn't normally have conversations with. You don't need to wear a a board saying the end is nigh. You don't need to be super vicious with it. But three, learn three new names this week. Two, have two significant conversations. Significant conversation is how are you and meaning it. And then letting them respond, and then responding with compassion or empathy or curiosity. It may be people you work with that you don't normally ask, how are you? It may be someone that you see just looking very, very flustered in a supermarket store. Finally, the one, pray with one person this week. Pray with one person. So as you're having a a significant conversation, typically you'll find out where someone's heart is. And you can say to them, can I, can I pray with you? Only once in my life has someone said no to that. It's so much less scary than we actually think it's going to be. Three new names, two significant conversations, and praying with one person. That's how we can really, as a church, ramp up how we're making disciples Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all nations. If we're not obeying it, we don't really love him. And here's the challenge about Christianity in America. I learned the phrase Christ follower once I moved to America. In England, you're called a Christian. A Christian is someone weird who lives different from the world, but they live very, very much like Christ wanted them to. It's because there's so much pressure not to be a Christian All of the lightweights, the people that are in it for themselves, all the ones that just want to be served and comfortable, they're gone, long gone. In America, I learned Christ follower. Like Everyone says they're Christian, but someone who follows Christ, that's really different. So if we're a church of Christ followers, as we look the next 12 months, we have to have more than one baptism. It's not so I can feel good about myself. But there are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. It's very much like the gospel. It's like being a beggar being invited to the banquet. Do we legitimately say, thank goodness I'm at the banquet. I don't care if they close the doors. I'm the one getting filled. No. We go out and we share the good news of the banquet to others. So my challenge we're praying through as a leadership team, what are we doing? How can we increase... uh, Uh, focus on the Great Commission. What do we need to do to make sure it's a bigger priority? Certainly less set up, tear down, less being in this location. But there's no point in changing location if we're not going to change behavior. So really, like, who is God asking you to be? Spend time with Him every day. If you can't do that, I love you, but you might not be a Christ follower. Now, we live by grace, not by law. But if you can't be bothered to spend time with God regularly, do you really love Him? Like, you wouldn't be in a marriage and not to expect time with your wife every day. You wouldn't be in a friendship. The more time you spend with a friend, the more you get to know them. So my challenge is the three, two, one. Secondly, let's spend some more time with God. The more time we spend with Him, the more our love will increase, the more time we spend with God, our obedience will increase. And the result of that is eternal. People being saved. 
people being able to take the step of obedience into baptism. I'm going to ask Dan, Jerry, Kari, and Carolee to come back up. As a time of response, we'd love to be praying for you at the front. Pray for you about anything. Uh, We were praying this week for little baby Bella. She's uh, nearly two weeks old. She's having major heart surgery. I think it was Tuesday. That went very, very well. Prayers work. We would love to be praying for you, whatever it is that's happening in your life. We'd love to celebrate good news for you. We'd love to pray for you to spend more time with God. We'd love to pray for you to have the courage to do the three, two, one this week. It's not much. There are other Christians in other countries worshiping this morning under fear of death. Trust me, it's going to be okay to learn three new names. It's going to be okay to have two significant conversations. It's going to be okay to pray with one person. Will you stand as we continue to worship?